Welcome to Evolve. My name is Brandon Silver and I believe that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. I believe entrepreneurs are consistently changing that world and we always will be. So with this show I will bring you the people and ideas with tools necessary to hack your growth in your business and your life. Together let's ask the world's biggest question, build businesses to solve them, and live happy and fulfilling lives in the process. It's time to Evolve. Hey everyone, welcome to Evolve. Before starting Evolve, I ran a podcast called Hustle and Happiness, which I started during a time that I was working a 9-to-5 job that I hated, depressed with my life, and trying to find an escape, and I decided to seek answers from successful TV stars, millionaire CEOs, lifestyle entrepreneurs, and musicians in order to evolve my own mindset. These extraordinary people revealed powerful advice on my favorite topic, how to evolve yourself. The advice from these guests was so impactful to my own life that I wanted you to have it all in one place so you could start evolving your own mindset. This episode will give you tangible advice for how you can start identifying who you are and what you want in life, how to start taking action against your dreams, facing the fear of failure, finding happiness and fulfillment in your own pursuits, and most of all, evolving yourself. Here's a brief summary of the people you are about to encounter on today's episode. Chase Bowringer, founder of The Bucket List Lifestyle, international best-selling author and adventure addict who has seen the seven wonders of the world, been to six continents, holds four world records, and done everything from running with the bulls in Spain, hanging out with the Yakuza in back alleys of Japan, to getting on the prices right. John Kim, a raw, unpolished, motorcycle-riding licensed angry therapist who pioneered the online coaching movement and multiple times best-selling author being featured in The Armchair Expert, Atlantic.com hyphen and NPR. Bree Seeley, a seven-figure entrepreneur who is recognized as one of the top 40 millennial influencers and a transformative coach who has impacted over 5,000 entrepreneurs around the world to grow their businesses in addition to being a number one best-selling author. Josh Belliardo, singer and songwriter causing a stir in the inland northwest with over 100 plus original songs and playing on stages with the likes of Gene Simmons, Brett Michaels, Somo, and Secondhand Serenade. Matt Hyder, founder and CEO of Recoup Fitness, who went from a 1.9 GPA and four failed startups to taking an $8 fitness prototype to a million dollar company and signing NFL teams like the San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos, New York Jets, and Jacksonville Jaguars to exclusively use his product. Noah Galloway, Dancing with the Stars, an American Grit TV star, highly sought after fitness expert and public speaker, an American hero who did not let losing an arm and a leg in Operation Iraqi Freedom to stop him from from achieving success, helping him land the cover of Men's Health Magazine and being named the publication's 2014 Ultimate Guy. Clay Muffet, known as the Wizard, is a much sought-after master coach and mental conditioning specialist who is certified in dozens of neurohacking techniques to help high performers from UFC fighters to CEOs unfuck their brain. Case Kenny, founder and editor-in-chief of Pursuit, which is 100% transparent, no-bullshit, stories and perspectives of real people, and has rapidly grown, generating upwards of 700 page views per month, producing thousands of pieces of content and articles, and a network of 500-plus contributors like Gary V and Mark Manson. So get ready today to completely evolve yourself with our first guest, Chase Bowringer. You basically had the American dream and then had it basically swept 
from underneath your feet and you sprawled, you know, deep into depression to the point that you planned out your suicide, like even down to the per people that might find you once you did. So can you talk about that, that dark place you were in and what you were feeling then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was very similar to like, I, I had this vision of what I, what my life was and who I was. I had the perfect life all wrapped up in exactly what I was supposed to be. And this wasn't necessarily what I truly deeply wanted originally. It was what I thought I was supposed to get, what I thought success was. And I didn't realize that it wasn't for me until that was stripped away. And when it was stripped away, it was like I had, like I had painted this beautiful picture, right? I had spent my whole life painting this masterpiece of what I thought everyone else would love. And someone just came with a big old thing of black paint and just threw it all over my painting. And mm. I was like soul crushing that I had spent my entire life building this, let alone the person that I love most in the world. I mean, this was my wife. This was someone who like right. I had dedicated my entire life to. This was my religion that I had chosen, basically finding out that my God doesn't actually exist. That, <laughs> that's what it was like, except for I actually woke up every morning looking at my God in the face. That's like, it was so deeply ingrained in me that, that that was the life that I would be living that when that was ripped away from me, it was truly ripped out of me. Like my heart mm. was in so much physical pain. I thought that I might die. Like I, there was so much physical pain. I, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced true, true heartbreak, but I'm sure people listening, if you've had it, you know, it physically hurts. Your heart is breaking. And I was crushed, uh, not only during the actual experience, but it, it took so long for me to even just want to even walk out of the house, want to even yeah. see anyone else because I was so embarrassed. So it was just the shame. It was the pain. It, it was uh, like the mental mindfuck of, of what is my life? Who am I? All of these things when everything was stripped away, who am I now? And do I even want to be on this earth? And at the time, the answer was no. Mm. Yeah, that, I think that's huge. Um, and I think a lot of people, they may not reach as low of the point, but they all have those questions of who am I? And eventually, like, what am I, you know, are the things that I'm chasing actually the things that I want? Or are they somebody else's? Yeah, and, and they got so to get huge. to those same questions without all of that incredible pain. Like, I wish I could get to those same <laughs> questions and the same answers without it. And at the same time, in my experience, uh, in order to really create what you want, it ha what you think you want needs to be ripped away. And you're like, okay, this is what I really want. And I've learned that over and over, uh, whether it's relationships and business and my personal life and my friends, things that I think, no, no, this is comfortable. This is what I want. When it's ripped away, it's so painful. But in the end, as I'm able to look back on it, I'm able to see that life truly was happening for me. And what, what built on top of those ashes was more beautiful than what it was originally. And you talk a lot about being honest with yourself and finding like that, that true self rather than that pseudo self. Yeah. Um, and uh, how, do, how do people start finding that inside their container? Well, I think it's an act, a muscle we have to exercise. You know, we're so used to listening to the um, the thundering voice, which is 
which has been created by society, advertising, right? Parents, shoulds, et cetera. And it's usually the faint whisper that is our, 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 our soul itself, um, our true self, our authentic self. And that goes ignored. Um, and we don't listen to that voice because um, it scares us, because there's going to be pushback, uh, because that voice, um, in order to listen to that and also execute it, right, to stand on it, it requires a lot of courage, right? Um, and so because we seek approval and validation and we are afraid, we listen to the thundering shoulds. And by doing so, we start to live outside in instead of inside out. And I think that puts us into a chasing state, you know, grayed out and um, miserable, I guess you'd say. So how do people start turning down that, uh, that noise from the outside? And, you know, start listening to themselves more than yeah. they're listening to other people. Um, I tell people that I think growth is more about a reunion than anything else. Um, so it's about re, uh, connecting to that part of you that you have locked away, you know. Um, and so for me, connecting to those parts of me was like, um, you know, discovering CrossFit because uh, when I was 10, I used to break dance. So connecting to that part of me, uh, finding it in fitness, you know, muscle ups and and all the gymnastic movements and uh me buying a motorcycle um, was connecting to that uh, 12-year-old kid who would zip up and down the street on his uh, Honda Spree scooter and feeling so hard. <laughs> um, so the loud thundering voice would be like, motorcycles are dangerous. Your parents don't want you to buy you one. You promised your, uh, you know, the wife at the time you wouldn't have one. Um, so you block your own truth for uh, to live someone else's life. And then your solid voice, uh, you know, the whisper is like, no, I really feel like that's a that's something I want to do. And I want to do that for myself. Um, so I'm going to do it, right? So tattoos and other things too. And so I think the more you're able to do that and it is a practice, the the more that the, the, the faint whisper becomes louder and louder until it becomes a way of life. And you start to listen less to the thundering voice and more to your intuition or your solid self. suicide about 20 years ago and Mm -hmm. I was 15 and I wasn't as um how do I say this emotionally adept as I am today and so I stuffed it and I just didn't have any feelings about it for 20 years Mm -hmm. um really up until like around now that's part of why I'm in Minneapolis right now and that was part of why I came home was to do some healing work um around that and um you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I feel like I didn't really know my dad either because he had significant mental health issues. Like it was way more than depression. He was a bipolar paranoid schizophrenic, um, who (laughs) self-medicated and (laughs) his parents were in denial about it. They, he tried to commit suicide multiple times and they wouldn't go visit him in the hospital. They wanted nothing to do with it. They wanted to pretend like it didn't happen. Um, so there was, there's a lot mixed in with that. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that it fuels me towards is really helping people know and understand that who they are is enough. Because my dad was a total hippie. He, and he he came from like, his dad was a banker. And so he was expected. And then my aunt's husband was a banker. And like, my dad was expected to like, get mine. And 
wear the suit to the dinner table and, and be clean shaven and, you know, all this stuff. And my dad was a motorcycle riding mm. tattoo covered, um, pot smoking hippie. And he <laughs> had long hair and a full beard and like the, like thick seventies glasses. And yeah. like, that's who he was. And I think the biggest thing from it is that it breaks my heart that, his parents were so judgmental and not just towards him, towards me as well. They let me know that they were disowning me when I was 14 years old because of a decision I made about my life. Um, And so it just, it saddens me that people feel obligated to live these lives that are not their lives and live these things that are just not true to who they are. And that's where I really want to help people live their unapologetic truth whatever that is, whatever that thing is within you that says, this is my truth. If there are people around you or things around you that don't support that, you know, you just have to find a way to move past that and either get rid of those people or get rid of those things. But like, really, I read an article and I think it was in the guardian about how they identified the root cause of depression. And it was basically living a life untrue to yourself and not meeting your own needs. And so like, well, if we can learn anything from that and help people live lives that are true to themselves and help people meet their own needs, then why would we be doing otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, I definitely think that's a, a big thing of people not living to who they are and what is going to be best for them in their life and what's going to make them happy in their life. Um, yeah. I talk about with my wife all the time, like, asking her when she's trying to make a decision, um, you know, is this really going to make you happy? Like, forget about all the other stuff that's stacked with it. Let's just set that aside for a moment. And is this actually going to make you happy? If it's not, if it's going to make things worse, then what's the point in doing it? Like life, there's so much to life that you can find a hundred different options. We can figure out something else to do. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't approach life from that. I see so many people making decisions based on what they should do or based on, you know, especially when people are investing in coaching, they're like, oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't spend this money on this. And it's like, well, you're spending your money on worse things. Like what if, like, what if you could actually invest money in yourself and see a return on your growth and on who you're being in the world so that you are able to show up as a happier human every day? Like imagine what that could create for you. So I think that's a really beautiful question that, you know, any listener could tack on for themselves for a tool of like, does this decision, is it truly going to make me happy? Or, you know, am I shutting myself out of a good thing? Or, you know, all of the reasons that we make terrible decisions are logicking, like, as you I've talked about, I make so many of my decisions from intuition, even if I can't see how it's all going to play out in the moment. I just trust that if I'm I'm being called towards something, that the universe has my back and that I'm going to be taken care of and I'm going to be good. Yeah, so you recently played a pretty big show, Canifest, up in Canada. Um, how was that? How was, you know, playing a lot bigger show, being in front of more people and things like that? Getting on that stage and playing for people who have no idea who I am in a different country and just 
getting to share my stories on a wider scale, it just, it amplifies that feeling of just, I'm, I'm living my purpose. You know, there, man, if, if there is something people are passionate about, they have to go pursue it. That, you know, you, your life is only so long and it's a shame that there are people who are good at things, but they, you know, just put themselves down all the time and they don't get themselves the opportunities to really, really expand and enjoy life through what they love. And being on that stage at Canifest was exactly, it was, was doing exactly what I love. Dude, that's, that's so huge. And I love how much like passion you talk with when you start talking about that and, you know, following your dreams and doing the things that you love and having people enjoy it. Um, I think too many people either want to take the easy route or they're just too scared to put themselves out there to really want to follow their passion, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's because people are afraid of failure. When I, when I moved to Portland, I, I said to some people, I'm scared to fail. And one of the uh, people I was talking to, I can't remember who it was. They said, take that word out of your vocabulary. And I was like, huh? So then I started looking at Portland as if I fail, which wouldn't be failure. I'm looking at it as I went somewhere. I was, you know, completely on my own with nobody I know, gaining experience and doing something for myself. And if I have to return back to my hometown, at least I took a risk. You've gone through, you know, four businesses. How do you keep getting up every time you fail to keep moving forward? I would say it's a lot of just knowing like if this is for you or not. And if you fail in this and you quit, entrepreneurship is not for you. Um, Cause that you are going to have that happen. And so I just realized like, this is for me, like I love it. And it wasn't about the money. It was about creating things to make a better future, to make people's lives better, easier, all of that type of stuff. And so it's, you got to find things beyond you of why you're doing this. And if you don't, it's not going to work out. Like every successful person did something beyond themselves to create an amazing business. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the, the thing that I always learned from the biggest entrepreneurs is every time they say that it wasn't really about the money. Um, if you chase the money, you're going to fail. It's when they stop looking at how much money can I make and start turning to how much can I contribute to the world? What can I be of service to? All right. So what's the number one mindset skill you think entrepreneurs need to have when they're first starting off? Um, the, <laughs> the skill you need is self-belief. The mindset is self-belief because you'll have people tell you, it will never work. It won't like you will amount to nothing. It's I I've heard it my whole entire life growing up, barely graduating high school with a 1.9 GPA counselors tell me I would never amount to anything. And now I'm one of the most successful kids in my graduating class. And it was always this self-belief within me to know that I am worth something. I can do this because entrepreneurship gets very, very dark. There's times where you will not see the light. There's a lot of studies being done um, in the industry of like mental health that's going on right now of, of all the stress, the pressure of the outside influences, how those truly affect you. You just have to block it out and just know that tomorrow is a brand new day. No matter what, it'll be better than yesterday. And I will make it better.
It just comes down to you. That is the key. Absolutely. I love that last part that you said that tomorrow will always be better, but you're the one that's going to make it that way, that you have to make that active decision in your mind that you're going to put in the work, you're going to show up and you're going to take control of your life and push it where you want, no matter what everybody else is saying that you can't do it. You'll never amount to nothing. You know, you can have one, a chip on your shoulder and show them wrong. But two, you can also, you know, just tell yourself that yes, tomorrow will be better and I'm going to create it that way. Yeah. And you got to have that. Why? Uh, That's a big thing with this is like, I have a chip on my shoulder that I'm able to slowly take off um, of no longer proving people wrong. It's proving the people that believe in me right now. So being able to switch that and it's taking action. Like people don't understand you control your day. You control every situation. There's always a way that you can do it better. You can handle things better. And if you start out your day, like, Oh, yesterday was so bad. I'm going to start. And you have like, wake up with that mindset. Of course, today's going to suck. Like you need to be like, <laughs> no matter what today's going to be better. I've, we've had back to back day. I've had weeks where I've lost half a million dollar investors, hundred thousand dollars investors had Brookstone steal the product from me, but kept going through that. Cause I was like, tomorrow will be better. What has propelled me into having a seven-figure mindset, running a seven-figure business, building a a team to support me really consistently for the first time since I've been an entrepreneur. And I believe that it's having those people in your life to really push you to your full potential past your perceived limitations, past all the nonsense stories that we tell ourselves and really into, you know, when my coach gets on the phone with me every week, She doesn't see what I see within myself. She sees a seven-figure CEO showing up to our calls. And to be honest, I don't always see that when I look at myself in the mirror. And so it's really important to have someone on your team that's holding you to that standard that you've kind of set for yourself or that, that pinnacle, that goal that you've set for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, When I was first starting out as an entrepreneur, I kind of took this mindset of, personal development was total bullcrap and that like everybody was just sitting around trying to attract their wealth and not putting any work in. And what I eventually started finding out was like, no, you you got it backwards. Like you need to work on yourself before you start working in your business and on things like that. And what I love about you is that like you're trying to take a vision and then um, take that like burning to passion, burning desire in your soul and turn it into reality with real action and combining both those elements together. So can you talk about like the the process of that? Yeah, it's really important to me to have both. So, you know, I, I fully believe in living a life, my life from the inside out. So what that means is over the last two years, as I've set this intention to build a seven figure business, the last two years, has been 99% inner work because I've had to become a millionaire before I can be one in the physical world. I have to think like a millionaire. I have to act like a millionaire. I have to speak like a millionaire. I have to show up energetically like a millionaire. Like all of those things have to be in place, have to make decisions like a million, like all of that stuff has to be in place before it shows up in the physical world. 
But then in order for it to show up in the physical world, you do actually have to do the, take the inspired actions as well. And so, you know, I used to, when I, two years ago, when I really kind of first hit my stride with my coaching business, I was teaching manifestation. And what I realized after about six months of teaching it was like, this is not in alignment with me because a lot of manifestation, like you said, is just like, oh, think and think and grow rich. Like, yes. Right. Right. And like, there's a secondary part to that. You know, the secret talks about like, oh, well, if you think about the red car, the red car is just going to show up. No, it's not. You have to go test drive it. You have to fill out the loan paperwork. You have like, you still have to show up in the physical world in order for that energy to be manifested in physical form. So for me, it's been really important to combine both of them. And I've actually kind of shifted away from manifestation and more towards this idea of co-creation. So how do you use the universal energy, the universal, you know, infinite intelligence source, all of that good stuff to inspire you? And then as humans, it's our job in the physical world to then take that outside of us as well. Right. So I am three years ago on my yoga mat, I kept getting this message that was, you're the divine intersection of heaven and earth. And what that really ended up landing with me because I was for for like months, I was like, I don't know what that means. Why, (laughs) why do you keep telling me these things? I don't understand that what this means. And what I figured out was that, you know, we are that intersection of infinite intelligence where we gain inspiration. We have ideas, we're connected to source and all that is, but we're also on the physical plane. So we have to meet that inspiration and do something about it ideas don't just create themselves that's what we're here for you have this mindset of no excuses that you share as a public speaker and a fitness coach tell us about how you use this to pull yourself out of depression well so it, it came down to i mean for a long time i mean lost my arm in my leg, got every excuse not to do anything. And I decided, no, I'm not going to live that way. And I got back into fitness. Then I started running these off course races, marathons, whatever it was. It was going to be hard on me, missing an arm and a leg, that I wanted to go out and do. And as, as I was doing them, people started coming to me and saying that I was taking their excuses away. And that motivated me. And then to have people to this day, when I was doing Dancing with the Stars, I, I'm not a good dancer. I did not enjoy it, but people started reaching out to me and saying that I was motivating them to step outside of their comfort zone, to do more things, to take risks. And that motivates show. So everything I do, I continue to do one for my kids two because people reach out to me and say that I motivate them. And that's what drives me to keep going. Yeah. I mean, I think it's huge when people can find something that they can look to and see like, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it too. And they get this motivation to go out and actually not have the excuses to hold them back and go do what they want yeah. to do. Because, I mean, we all have excuses. It doesn't, you don't have to lose an arm or a leg. I, and when it comes to fitness, I meet people all the time that, you know, they may not have the genetics, they may battle with obesity or whatever it is. And I always tell them that that should be their reason to get in the shape because they'll be more proud of what they've accomplished than someone who is genetically gifted and it's easy for them. You know, just like me, missing arm and leg, I take more, I was in the fitness before I got injured, but I have more pride 
in my fitness now that I'm injured than I did before because I am overcoming bigger obstacles. Absolutely. Looking back at that struggle and seeing what you've accomplished, what you've overcome. Yeah. Now you're, you know, on this track to getting back in shape, you're competing in various fitness competitions. Did you run any conflicts or like loss of motivation along the way? Any road bumps? Oh, all the time. I mean, even to this day, I love fitness, but it's easy to be like, well, I'm good. You know, like, do I have to keep doing this? But it boils down to how healthy I want to be and what an example I want to set before my kids. So you have to kind of think beyond yourself to keep that motivation going. And just like the people that reach out to me, I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for other people. And that's what drives me to keep going. And everyone has that, you know, been on a national television show or on the front cover of a world-known magazine, you could be just anybody out there and someone looks up to you, a child, a nephew, a neighbor, whoever it is, a friend, someone looks up to you. And that is why we always have to be doing our best in everything we do because someone is always watching and they're learning from us. How do you get other people to to realize that, like to find their their people that are looking at them, to find their why, to keep going and keep them motivated? You know, I'm not the kind of person that's, you know, a jerk in your face or throwing it in their face that, hey, I did it, miss an arm and a leg. That's not motivating. It's right. to find out what it is. Like if I meet somebody, I want to know what it is you struggle with because we all have something. And then you work through that because once you get over that hump, then the rest is easy. Because that's right. that one, we all have that one obstacle in our life that holds us back. And once you address that obstacle, then you can take on the others. And so usually when I meet people, that's what I want to know first is what is your biggest struggle? And then let's work through that. What I'd actually started before that was persuasion. And then when the incident happened with regards to getting locked up, it kind of dawned on me that instead of trying to persuade other people, the issue is probably myself. And yeah. that, you see, I, I had, uh, w- w- I wouldn't say a jaded childhood. I had a really good childhood. I come from really, really lovely parents who like gave me pretty much every opportunity and I just managed to screw it up, right? <laughs> For whatever reason, like I just went off the rails, man. And it, that's how it is. <laughs> um, yeah. It's my damn fault. No one else is to blame. It's all on me. But for like the most time, I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm a very direct kind of guy. And I rub people the wrong way because I speak it how I see it. And sometimes mm-hmm. how I see it is, well, not sometimes. A lot of the time, how I see it is not how people see it. Right. And so that's what first got me down to persuasion kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, so how can I get people to see my point of view? And then so I was still coming up with a lot of resistance and doing a lot of stupid things. And I hadn't really done any work on myself. Because I was just so busy with trying, busy chasing, changing anyone else. And then when that whole fiasco happened, how long is that now? Nine years ago, pretty much. Um, it be nine years ago in about three weeks. And uh, when that all happened, it kind of dawned on me. Like I was sitting there, I was in lockup and getting processed, going through. And I kind of like accepted, okay, this this is probably going to happen. You're probably going to be in jail for like six to 12 months. This is this. Just deal with it, dude. Figure out when you get out. Right. And um, when I did manage to get out, I was like, that's probably like the last of your nine lives, dude. Like, so I'm a Leo. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I figured, okay, so I had nine lives as a cat. And like this, you, you don't have any more. You need, you need to do something about this, right? Something needs to change. 
Yeah. So obviously what I'd been doing wasn't working. So I just kind of clicked and I was like, okay, what really needs to change is yourself. And you need to stop trying to change everyone else because the only common thread amongst all this crap that's gone on in your life is you. There's nothing else that's common. Not a single thing else that could be common. I was having trouble in school communicating with teachers and other students. I was having trouble in the military. You're in the military, right? You're tough. You're strong. There's all these like uh, hoorah guys, except that's actually uh, Marines and I was in the Navy. We don't have Marines. <laughs> but you get my point, right? It's, it's, it's right. high-core guys, brotherhood, this kind of stuff. I still used to piss people off. And then I worked in oil and gas. And even when I was working in oil and gas, which is a also a bunch of like guys who are like down earth they got pretty dirty minds like you know i still pissing those people off right and so like the only common thread was me man and that that's like what clicked i was like you keep effing this up it's all you stop trying to change everyone else change yourself yeah i think that's huge um being able to be that introspective and seeing the common thread the common problem through each of those things and being able to set your ego aside and say, hey, it's actually me that's causing all these problems and that's where I need to start. I'd say it was like a really, really hard thing to do. But at that point, it just became the only choice, you know? Mm. Like so yeah. many things that I had messed up and I could try to blame other people. I could try to blame this. I could try to blame that. And it just wasn't going to happen. There was no way it was going to happen because everything I was doing just wasn't working, man. I was getting the same result. Yeah. So tell me what it, uh, what it really means to like get control of your mind, why that's so important. That's a good question. The best way and the simplest way I can answer that is when you get control of your mind, you have control of the world. And that might sound like a hugely outlandish claim. <laughs> but let's forget me for a second and let's go to like another like real expert. Um a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl, right? Mm. He was an Austrian neuropsychologist. I'm not sure if you've read the book, A Man's Search. Yeah, yeah. Right. great book. Exactly. Now, this guy has gone through the depths of hell, which most people would never be ever wanting to, willing to go for, and a lot of people didn't survive, right? Prisoner mm -hmm. of war in a death camp and figured out the difference between survival is the ability to make a choice. The ability to choose how you respond. And when you have mm -hmm. control of your mind, you now have that ability to choose how you respond to everything. It doesn't become a reaction. It becomes a response. And because it becomes a response, it means it's a choice. And because it's a choice, it means you have control. It doesn't mean you have control over whether the sun's coming up or going down. It doesn't mean you have control over whether the guy who's abusing you is going to continue abusing you, like whether that's physically, verbally, whatever it is, Right but you have a choice about how you choose to let it affect you. And that just gives you the ultimate freedom. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, it becomes irrelevant what they say. It becomes irrelevant what they do. Yeah. Because they're not defined by other people's actions. They don't influence you, and you can actually be So talk about how, you know, doing this, um, you know, building yourself both in your nine to five and in entrepreneurship, how that's helped you grown as a person. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the answer is it's helped me grow immensely. Um, and I think the like singular item that has enabled me to do that is this idea of perspective. Like my whole tagline for pursuit is perspective that inspires. And I think 
my perspective on things has increased so much through my nine to five, through my podcast, through pursuit, because I've met so many people. I've really come to challenge myself. And that's what perspective is all about. I always talk about it. It's, you know, you can, you can read all the self-help books you want. You can watch all the YouTube you want. You can watch all the documentaries and all this stuff. And you can, you can get some good perspective from that. That's powerful. The smartest people I know are big readers, but the, the most impactful thing you could do in life is to experience perspective for yourself is to actually take action. And that's what it, that's like, that is my entire mentality. That's my entire mindset. It's kind of this, uh, you know, get up and go inpatient mentality towards more experiences, more perspective. And I think with my nine to five and maintaining that I have all these business perspectives, all these, uh, you know, psychological sales perspectives. And that's amazing. Through the podcast, I'm forcing myself every single week to sit down and think about content. And in that process, I'm like, wow, I have these ideas, but I haven't lived them. Let me add these to my immediate to-do list and I'm going to go out and challenge myself. So I do all kinds of stupid shit all the time, <laughs> literally just because I'm so in my head and aware of the fact that I want, I want to have more perspective but I'm not satisfied with just watching YouTube and getting it from there. I have to go out and live it myself. Uh, so it's really worked full circle. And I, I like, even like since I started the podcast, I started the podcast like in June. So it's only like six months in, like even just from starting that, like just forcing yourself to address your own bullshit is a powerful thing. And that's why yeah. writing is so fulfilling for me because I, I love the creative element. I love getting in front of people, but it does a lot of personal stuff for me because you got to really dig deep you got to be real. And I try to be real. I try not to sugarcoat things or just like come up with the usual bullshit, but it's done amazing things, man. It really has. That's why I think, I think creating anything, whether it's you're a content creator, YouTuber, musician, you knit hats, what out of whatever, like <laughs> that's what it's all about. Like just creating something forces you to really like level with yourself. Oh, for sure. I mean, I started this podcast uh, a couple months ago and I tell, you know, my listeners all the time, like in the beginning episodes, I completely sucked. Like I just yeah. got in front of the, you know, the camera and uh, the mic and was basically just putting stuff out and it really just, it brings all of your inadequacies up to the top. And you're like, I got to get through these if I'm going to continue yep. to do this. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, it's great. It's, it's the great equalizer. Cause you know, uh, you know, you're really going to struggle if you're not real and people pick up on that. So if you want to be successful, you got to be real. And if you want to be real, you got to dig deep and you got to dig deep, then you got to you know address your bullshit. It's like, it goes, it's this great cascading effect. So I love it. What do you believe is the biggest mindset shift somebody has to have in order to be successful? I mean, I, I, okay. I think, I think it's, and I write a lot about this. I think the biggest mindset shift that you, you can enable in your life is this idea that you don't have to wait for something to be happy. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like people are always like, Oh, you know, once I, you know, lose 10 pounds, once I get that promotion, once I reach a million monthly downloads, Oh, then things will be right. And I used to fall into that, into that a lot. And I was always just extending this finish line for happiness. And then I realized within the context of that, like, the most critical thing to have, the most happy people I know, the most successful people I know, the most fulfilled people I know, they practice massive gratitude. And that's the biggest thing, just being grateful for what you have while you work for what you want. And I know that's a lot of people give that advice, but I've, I've lived that truthfully. And I've been humbled. Like a, lot, like a lot of people know who I am. I get stopped on the street in Chicago and it's, it's really freaking crazy, to be honest. And I try to take it in stride, but here I am. I'll come home and I'll be like, man, I didn't get enough downloads in the podcast today. Like the email is not big enough. Like all this bullshit. It's honestly bullshit. Right. And I get so angry at myself, but that's always in my head when I need to take a step back and 
be like, shut the fuck up, Case. Like, be thankful <laughs> for what you have. You've done great things. People, you're impacting people. Just keep doing it. So, like, I think it goes across the board for anything. Like, if you're on a fitness journey, if you're on a personal development journey, career-wise, relationship-wise, like, there's, there's, I guarantee you there's things to be thankful for and grateful for right now. And continue to set those finish lines. But don't be so addicted to that process. Rather, just appreciate it while you're working through it. So that's the biggest thing. A lot of people always tell me that, man, you're so lucky. Like, things always work out for you. How are you so lucky? It's because of my dad. And for all his uh, failures, which he doesn't actually have that many in my opinion, for a lot of other people I say he does, that's their problem. For all his shortcomings, he, he, he taught me one thing that I'll never forget. And he didn't, I don't even know if he meant to teach it to me, to be honest. Um, and it sounds like a bit of a prick of a thing. My dad's considered a hard-ass by Australian standards, right? I used to have to make my own bed, do my own ironing, uh, wash my own clothes, do chores around the house, all this kind of stuff. And I was not exactly what we'd say a model student or a model child. I was kind of, <laughs> but I'd be playing rugby and I'd get tackled and wiped out and I'd be like lying on the ground. And I'd get up and I'd probably limp off the field because I smashed my knee, I smashed this. And my dad would go, What's going on? Like, oh, I haven't put it. He goes, oh, You're lucky. What? He goes, You're lucky. Like, what the hell do you mean I'm lucky? He goes, You can feel the pain. It means you've still got use of your legs. You're lucky. Like, what the hell? Then, like, I get a test result back and I fail the test. He's like, you're lucky. You've got an opportunity to learn. You're lucky because you actually have a brain that can think about this and realize that you can now do something better. And so every single mistake that ever came about, my dad always should just tell me, you're lucky. You're lucky because you've got a chance to correct it. You're lucky because you've got another chance. You're lucky because this is life and this is what it's about. And so time and time again, things would be looping over in my head. And uh, let's fast forward to when I was in jail. I was automatically thinking straight away, okay, well, let's just figure out what the next step is because at least I'm not beaten or dead. At least yeah. I wasn't shot dead for uh, the alleged incident, right? Because <laughs> um, I could have well been where I was. I could have been shot dead and I would have been within their legal rights. I wasn't necessarily doing anything like dangerous, but I was doing something stupid and I could have been shot dead. And I'm here. So I am lucky. And that was like a fundamental thing. And it's just that that attitude that is always something to feel grateful for and feel lucky about. Well, what is the one biggest mindset shift you believe people have to have in order to be successful? I would say finding success where they're at right now. Um, actually realizing that Currently, you are successful, and maybe not in all areas of your life where you'd want to be, but if you can't realize your success now, then how the hell are you going to realize your success when it happens? What happens in life is things are constantly shifting, and we're constantly putting the goal ahead, ahead. Let's say that it's make six figures, and then all of a sudden, all your friends are making seven, and you go, oh, well, okay, I guess you know now it's seven, and then, oh, it's eight. Or, you know, maybe it's you get a Corvette that you wanted and your friend is driving a Ferrari and you're like, okay, well, I want a Ferrari now. And if you can't just truly find the success where you're at right now, I believe that you'll never actually be successful because what the, the, the line will always be moving ahead of you, especially if you're a high achiever, it'll always go ahead of you. So finding happiness with what is now, especially if you have nothing, if you can find happiness with nothing, 
you will spend your life happy. That I, I found happiness mm. on a Thai, uh, in the islands of Thailand, hanging out in a hammock with no money, eating, you know, like coconuts and rice for 35 cents a day and staying in a, a little hut for 75 cents a night. And I lived like that for weeks and I was happy, truly. I just, I felt fulfilled in my life. And I, I personally believe if you can find fulfillment with nothing, that's when you need to build. Then you can build on top of the happiness because you're no longer searching for it in those successes. You're no longer saying, I'll be happy when I get to A or when I get to B because it's never going to happen. You'll get there and there will always be another A or another B. A, a, a very good friend of mine, and I got to say this, please listen to this. If you are doing something else right now, please listen to this. Uh, a friend of mine told me, she goes, I have the perfect relationship right now. I have money in my bank. I have an incredible business. I have amazing, incredible friends. My relationship with my family is absolutely incredible. Everything in my life is absolutely ideal. A 10 out of 10 in every area. And I'm still unhappy. She said that I was constantly saying that I'm unhappy because I don't have a great boyfriend, because I don't have money, because I'm not living in a, a great place. Constantly putting happiness, the reason for her unhappiness, outside of herself until the world said, here, have everything that you're saying is the reason for your unhappiness. Look at it, live it, and realize when you're still unhappy that it always comes from within. So your happiness will not be found outside of you. No matter how beautiful your life is, ask people with the money, with the relationships, everything. Yes, they can bring you happiness, but true fulfillment will always come from your perspective on that and your perspective on yourself, the way that you're showing up, the way that you're being, and the way that you love yourself. So remember that and then chase success. Hey you, yes you, I want to thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, then please open up your podcast app, rate and review. That's really going to help get this life-changing content out to more entrepreneurs just like you who are pushing the world forward. As always, my friend, keep evolving.